I guess my first thing that I want to just kind of direct the conversation is how or why did you get involved into QA to begin with? Okay. Well, my story with QA was kind of just um, by chance. Um, I'm dating myself here when I say that when I got out of college, I was looking through the local newspaper and found a ad in the newspaper looking for an auditor. Um, my first mindset was, why do you need to have a science background to be an auditor? Because I'm thinking accounting. Okay. And so I applied for what was then Will Research in, in Ashland, Ohio, for this auditor position and was hired on there. And that was my first kind of introduction into quality. I knew I wanted to do something in the sciences. Um, originally, I thought I wanted to be in the lab. Um, that was quickly debunked once I kind of saw what they had to do. So I was like, that's not for me. So it was kind of um, the best of both worlds where I was able to utilize some of my uh, science knowledge, but in a way that was a little bit different, the application of it. And so I kind of got to see how the happenings in the lab coincided and what that looked like in terms of a deliverable and how the agency takes those deliverables to make decisions about the next step in a product's life cycle. So it was kind of the um, perfect profession for me because you have to be slightly OCD and that kind of fit my personality quirks. Um, so the attention to detail, all of that were things that, you know, were kind of just um, my spirit animals. And so that is how I got into quality and I have remained. So um, what to this point has your QA career taught you? That you are never done learning. Um, this industry changes so quickly um, as new technologies emerges, as science um, platforms change. The quality professional, you're never done because you're always going to have to kind of be a student of life. Um, the application, depending on the current mindset of the agencies, when you're dealing in a global geography, you have a bunch of different regulators that have different philosophies on how things are done. So you're always having to hone your craft. You're always having to learn something new. Um, but what I always do to kind of ground myself is remember the why behind what we're doing and what we're doing. And I look more to the intent of any regulatory requirement instead of just kind of the black and white. So I'm not into rote memorization, but I know that it's a situational quality. And you have to kind of do quality by design because no study is going to be the same. No project is ever going to be the same. And so you cannot apply a one size fits all rule. That's what my biggest learning has been. Right. Do you think because of the fact this isn't a question, but I'm just kind of prodding you a little bit forward on this. Do you think that because of that it's constant learning that maybe it helps keep you from getting stagnant or like in a rut because you're not doing the same thing? Well, even if you're doing the same thing all the time, all, all it takes is one error or one little extra something in this protocol that now you have something else to think of. Do you think that may be a true statement? Yeah, I, I would say no one day ever looks the same. And that has what has been that kept my interest. So no matter what company I go to, um, no company has the same type of um, process in product life cycle. So you kind of get to touch a variety of different things. And I have seen that in CROs, that's probably 
even more true that, you know, because you're dealing with so many different sponsors, you get exposed to a variety of different things. And I think that it's challenging um, because they are not alike in your application, even though you may have years and years of QA experience, the application of how you apply it for every study is slightly different. So that takes out the monotony of it. Um, you know, I think if you're doing a two-year chronic study, yes, you may have your eyes crossed because you're looking at dose record after dose record after dose record. But again, thinking of the outcome of that, knowing that there is a, eventually going to be a patient on the other side of that, whether it is a human or an animal, um, you know, just having that passion in your heart to know that this is something that is going to improve some life at the end. Great. Um, what advice would you give to your younger self? Um, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Um, I think that again, with my attention to perfection or what I perceive to be a perfection, um, anytime that I made a mistake, it was just kind of like, you know, so damaging and I would just beat myself up over it. And if I had to talk to my younger self, I would say that, you know, those mistakes are blessings in disguise because you'll never forget that. And it's the learning that is the most important, not the mistake that happened. Um, I can recall a time that um, one of the studies that I had audited was one of the ones that was reviewed by the FDA. And um, I believe it was a dog study they were reviewing. And then as they're thumbing through the um, animal records, they find rat um, records in there. And so to have that found, found by um, the FDA, you know, I was devastated. And she was like, it's no big deal. It was actually, um, you know, the agency reviewer that told me that it's not that big of a deal. It's not life altering. But I beat myself up over that and just but it I still remember it. And that was probably close to 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think it's just you have to show yourself grace. We're not robots. We're going to make mistakes. Um, it's you know, the human nature, you know, um, don't expect perfection. Um, just do your best and then learn from those mistakes and move on. Okay. Kind of along those lines, what advice would you give others thinking about starting in QA or the ones that have just started into QA? Um, I think that if you go into it with the mindset that you're going to memorize the regulations and that's kind of the end of it, you set yourself up for failure. Um, I think most importantly is always remembering how to apply the regulations. Um, it is more scenario-based than it is just rote memorization. So I think um, not fixating on the black and white, but the application is probably what serves you best if you're gonna have a long career in this because you will drive yourself mad trying to fit square pegs and in, into round holes. Um, so, it is something that you just have to do the application and the intent behind what the regulation is asking for. And if you think of it that way, it's less stressful. And it also allows you to communicate to your internal and external customers in a better way if you can tell them why this is a requirement and how it applies to whatever science they're doing. Because no scientist wants to um, be told by a QA auditor that they're doing something wrong. Right. Right. So what do you think the role or the um, how valuable is it to have mentors or to be a mentor? 
I think I think it's extremely valuable because quality is not a profession where there is a lot of historical context. Most people that got into QA came from a different career or just kind of happened upon it. It's not something that you aspire to do coming out of school. Um, I never heard anybody say, oh, I want to grow up and be a QA auditor. So most of the time when you're coming into this career, um, just having a mentor there to kind of help you navigate and to understand the path, because I think quality is one of those very diverse professions where it can take you a multitude of places. But if you don't have someone kind of giving you guidance or um, advice on paths that you can take, it could be, um, you know, you end up in a rut where you're, you know, 20 years in and you're like, I don't want to audit data for the rest of my life. So, you know, I think understanding the paths that quality can take you and the interconnections between, um, you know, the whole product life cycle. If you look at product development, there's so many areas that need quality. And even if you want to go onto the operations side, the application of quality is still there. If you want to be a project manager, it's still there, a CRA. So there's, there's a lot of linkages between a variety of careers. And if you start out as an auditor, there's still a long-term career that you can build because there's so many um, avenues that it opens up. If you understand how to look at data, and understand the story that it's telling, the application of that kind of functional thinking will help you build a long-term career. Great. So who would you say was your most influential or best mentor in the QA field that, that gave you the most bang for the buck or whatever? Or, you know, even if it wasn't teaching you QA life lessons, just life lessons in general, who, who would you who would you say that was that? I would have to say my, my first boss, um, um, when I came to uh, what was then Will, um, Debbie Little, um, and I've interacted with her on a variety of levels during my career. So starting out as a brand new auditor and then as a um, you know quality professional, having some years under my belt, um, I've had her come back where she was a consultant for companies that I was working with, and just having those different stages of our relationship. But I could still always kind of go back and say, "Hey, have you ever experienced this?" And just that dynamic to you know for her to kind of see my growth and always kind of you know pour into me and just say you know. Uh, when I was having those challenging times, she was always an ear um, and would give me very, um, I'll say, unfiltered feedback. So I think that, um, you know, she gave me an opportunity. I had never had any experience in this career. And so for that, I will forever be grateful. And I will still say that my experience in that role I think created the foundation for me to have a very successful career in quality. And it had to do with the people that she allowed me to train under and just kind of how she ran that org, um, gave me the framework as now being the manager. Um, I think I take a lot from that on how to be a true leader and not a dictator. Okay. And what do you think, um, is your greatest um, achievement in being QA? Um, I would say my greatest achievement um, was um, finishing my master's degree in regulatory affairs. I know that I want to be in compliance. Um, 
this is a career for me. It's not a job. So um, finishing that master's is probably my um, biggest um, win in so far. I think that there's more to come. Um, I don't think I'm done. And I think that that's the beauty of this profession is that, you know, you have different seasons in your career and it can take you to a multitude of places. Like now I'm working at an animal health company and um, that is not my experience. So I'm learning. I'm like starting from ground zero, learning the animal health regulation side of quality. So it's always new. It's always fresh. And I think that that's what keeps me grounded, that keeps me impassioned about wanting to stay in this career path. Okay. So on the flip side, what was your greatest um, barrier or... Um, I don't know. I don't want to say mistake, but what was the what was the greatest um, uh, thing that you had to overcome or barrier in 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 your career? I think the ability to agree to disagree, um, understanding the role of quality. We are independent um, units that are separated from the actual execution of study outcome, and so even though we may see the writing on the wall or know that something is not up to par. The ability to let it go when we are told that they're not going to change, when they're they're not, they don't see a need to apply whatever recommendation that we had. I think I had to learn that the hard way multiple times. Um, and scientists are a unique set of individuals, and um, a lot of ego is involved. And getting past that ego and just allowing things to happen as they will. It is my job to report, but it's not my job to fix. And so I think that that is the greatest challenge that I had to overcome because I couldn't understand if I write on an audit report, you should be fixing it. Well, that's not my role. And so I have to step back. And I think that now kind of years into it, I'm having to do that with some junior um, auditors where they're saying, I don't understand why they're not fixing it. And I said, did, did you tell them the implications? Do they understand the risk? We've done our job and you have to kind of let it go. And sometimes it's very hard to stomach that, but you do have to kind of know, again, what is the role of quality? And if you've reported it up appropriately as the regulations require, then that's all that you can do. Do you, do you notice have you seen a trend or a difference from when you started to now on how um, relationships are between QA? Um, I mean, knowing that in some companies you may be backtracking, but overall, have you seen a change in the way QA is viewed and maybe uh, the interactions amongst the scientists and study directors? I will say it's definitely improved. I think that when I first started, it was a bit more adversarial than it is now. Um, you know, you're always going to have your individuals that are challenging. But I think overall as an organization, I think the management of, of organizations realize the value of quality. You rather for your internal quality to kind of unearth your problems than have agencies um, unearth your problems. So I'm, I'm seeing more of an incorporation and the collaborations between the operational side and quality than I did in the um, earlier parts of my career. So I hope that's a trend that continues um, as you know, regulatory bodies put more emphasis on quality by design and quality focus initiatives that um, businesses will start to see the value quality. I know that quality is typically seen as overhead, but 
if you do a cost analysis of what a lack of quality can do, I think that we do contribute to revenue in the bottom line. Do you see any uh, upcoming trends, um, good or bad, that might be uh, for the future of QA? I think that um, some trends that we may see is this risk-based approach. Um, I think it's a bit ethereal at this time, kind of how do you apply that? But I think from a resourcing perspective, it's definitely a direction that we have to go. Um, I think knowing that there's been more separation between QC and QA, that is going to help kind of mitigate that. But I do think that there's still an area of improvement where, you know, there's more delineation between, you know, what quality is trying to achieve from, you know, the high level viewpoint instead of the tactical individual data points. I think that's still something that needs to be improved. And I think as more technology comes on board, I think that as the science changes, quality professionals are probably going to have to be tasked with learning more of the the technical side than we have in the past. Because I don't think if you don't understand how the science work, it's very hard to determine if that data is meeting the intended purpose, if it's meeting the burden of the regulatory requirements, if you kind of don't understand the interconnectivity, especially when you're getting into more automation and electronic data, that's going to have to be a little bit more of a stretch for the quality professional than before to kind of understand the inner workings of some of these systems. That I, That's all the questions I had or direction I had. Is there anything else that you would like to add or final thoughts or anything for... Um, I would say that anybody that's thinking about getting into quality, I would say, you know, being um, 20, 23 years into this, um, it is a profession that has a lot of longevity. Um, It has afforded me opportunities to um, be part of the um, product approval of some pretty blockbuster drugs that, you know, I know have changed lives. Um, So if you are interested in making a difference, Um, but you don't think you'll be going to medical school. You don't see yourself being um, the next um, Nobel Peace Prize winner because you came up with some scientific, um, you know, big breakthrough. I think quality is a happy compromise um, because you kind of get to see the whole pathway from start to finish when things are being developed. And if you can carry that through, through an approval, there's a gratification that you can get to know that you had your hand in that and you contributed. That's awesome. Awesome advice. <laughs> well, I thank you for your time thank and you. Uh, for agreeing to do this. Um, no problem. Um,